0: Book of Revelation, chapter 3. Um, we are going to attempt to get through the letter to Sardis or finish. Tell you honestly, it's kind of hard to remember where we left off. Um, I think you guys got, I said last week, you guys got a shotgun message because um, it was partial, a point that was here, and then partially just the Holy Spirit was just flowing. Um, well, it's the second service. You guys got like a shotgun message. The second service got two barrels, it was a double barrel. They never even got a note. (laughs) It was just, the Lord released. I tried to get to my notes three different times, and I just felt the Lord say, if you want to do that, you can, or I'll just keep filling your mouth. We'll just let you keep filling my mouth then. So um, sometimes the Lord can do that, amen? He can interrupt and do whatever he wants. This is his house. Last time I checked, it's not mine. So let's let's read our text, chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Those are not encouraging words. Wake up and strengthen that which remains which was about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received, and heard, and keep it, and repent. If, therefore, you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. And in the King James says, even in Sardis. Sardis is not getting very good news here. And they will, says, and they will, who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has ears to hear, let him, <laughs> let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural, Thank you, Lord. Bless the reading of your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, we went over the history of Sardis. We gave you the geography of Sardis. Um, We covered uh, that. He said, I know your deeds. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Um, We have a name that we're alive. Amen. We don't want Jesus to show up here and say, hey, that's a nice name. Sad news is you're old and dead instead of new and alive, amen? So, how do we know that the Lord is speaking to a church? I need you to remember that, especially this morning. The Lord is speaking to the church. He's not just speaking to a a geographical city. He's speaking specifically to the church, and not just to this church, this particular church. He's speaking to the churches. That's why he says he has an earlumb here, the Spirit is saying to the churches, plurally. He's, so he's speaking individually. He's speaking, that also tells us that we as the church, he's speaking to us, and he's speaking to the churches, which is also times. There is dispensations of time through the churches and ages of the church. So there's also that. So um, the best thing we can do today is look at it as yourself and say, how does this apply to me? Amen. Amen. You're the church. So... Um, We're going to go on to, I think we started in point three. The next point was wake up and strengthen what remains. We know that we all can lie back on the things we've done in the past, the things we've done for the Lord, the things we've told the Lord. And and expect that to be what builds us and, and earns us a way in. And he's telling them, like, you better wake up because the stuff that you're counting on is dying at the vine. All of us can do that. And all of us at times in our life have probably done that, kind of put it on cruise control. Say, well, you know, I had a big day last week. (laughs) Don't we like to do that? I've been busy. I've done a lot of stuff, and now I'm going to cruise for a while. Well, he's saying, don't do that. You better wake up. He's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to the world. And then in the point three, I think we got a little bit of this last week, is remember where you started and go back. Don't let go and repent. We looked at 1 John chapter 3. We looked at Luke. As he said, if you don't, I will come like a thief. That's, that means no signs, no warning, I'm coming. You're going to be surprised at, at that coming. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11 said, Now as the periods and times, brothers and sisters, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. While they are saying, peace and safety, Then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, now I'm going to stop for a second. Here's some encouragement. (laughs) If you think like this is just going to get easier and better, I've watched my wife have three kids. When those things start, it doesn't get better until that baby's born. And there's nothing I'm going to be able to do except for basically lie to her. <laughs> you, get, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying lie to her. But whatever you're saying, like, this is going to be okay, no, it's not. <laughs> I've watched it three times, and, and there, I, man cannot have babies because we're not tough enough, just flat out. But I've learned that those, those things, they come stronger stronger, closer together, closer together, closer together. So if you're expecting a break, you're expecting like and I just need a break like this church was trying to do, it ain't coming. Until that until that baby's born. Until we see the heaven's crack and him coming in the clouds and that sound of a trumpet and that twinkling of an eye and we get caught up. That's the break. Amen. So not to just give you a bunch of bad news, but just so you know, and you guys have been hearing me preach, like, for such a time as this, you're in the kingdom. Of all the different people that God could put in this moment, you're here, and you're here for such a time of this for a purpose to evangelize. That's your purpose, to let people know that Jesus is coming, to let people know that Jesus is king. He's a good God, that even in the midst of this, we have hope. We're not distressed. We're not freaked out. They're supposed to be able to look at us and go, like, you're, what is wrong with you? Like, everybody's running this way, and you're standing there going like, man, like the wind's blowing, stuff's flying, you're going, man, I needed needed the Lord to clean out my yard. This is great. Right? Everyone else is freaked out, and you're going, this is going just like he said it would. Right? We don't have to freak out and like click our heels together. No. This is exactly what he said was going to happen. He's going to be coming soon. Amen? So, we're not we're not hopeless. We, we understand that like we've had um, our wives have had babies and we're like, yes, I understand that. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let's not sleep as others do. Let's be alert and sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who are drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let's be sober having put on the breastplate of faith. And love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. You need to get that in your spirit. You have not been destined for wrath. Church, you're his bride. You've not been destined for wrath. Like, that's not like he goes on to say, so encourage one another with these. If you're destined for wrath, I don't know how you're encouraging somebody about that. So, hey, Don't worry about it. It's going to get a heck of a lot worse, and we're going to have the most horrible, like, we're not going to go through the tribulation. That's the most horrible time that's ever been planned for earth, if you're a believer. That's encouraging, right? Thank you, Jesus. Like, when you you think it's getting bad now, it's like, look, it's going to get a heck of a lot worse, and we ain't going to have to deal with that. That's encouraging. Now, if you have no hope, like, look, it's just going to keep getting worse, and we're going to be crying out that the rocks would fall on us. That's how bad it's going to be. Well, thank you for that encouragement, brother. Like, I remember getting encouraged. <laughs> Seth was here. He'd remember this. funny story. I'm going to take a time out. We're getting ready to go to Africa. And we go down to Stockton because we had to get nine shots, vaccines, to be able, like, in one day. And as we're sitting down there, one of the guys we went to church with happened to work in that um, county uh, building in Stockton. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? We're like, Well, oh, we're going to go to Africa and, you know, we're going to do some. It's like, oh. He goes well what part so we tell him and he, and, and literally i so don't ever do this he goes oh well I've been reading in the news like there's a lot of people getting killed over there like man they're killing like they're just murdering people and 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 he goes on and on and very descriptive for a good seven eight minutes and I'm just sitting there looking like wow so I literally, when he left, obviously I didn't do it in front of him. But when he left, I turned I to te- said, te- I go, thanks for the encouragement, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not be like that, amen? Like, we need to speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. And here's the truth. God is not destined us for wrath. This isn't Steve Dennison's word. This is Jesus. This is his word. But for obtaining salvation. Salvation. What, that's being saved from something. Last time I checked. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. So, the letter to Sardis seems to indicate that he was not waiting till the second coming to bring judgment to the church. It's very interesting. He will shake us up. He will get our attention that's different than the wrath now why am i saying that he's going to bring some judgment well because if you read those verses he says you have a few people in sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy but he who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments and i will not erase his name from the book of life wow we're going to get to that in a second but before we do I want to talk about the garments. I got into that a little bit early on when we first started going through the beginning of Revelation. So to this letter, one of the things he's saying to the overcomer, and to each church, it's a little different. He says, there's a few of you here in Sardis that haven't soiled their garments. Now, that's, that's saying that most had. Amen? Can we deduct that? Um, that's not good. He says, but to those who haven't, I will not erase their name from the book of life. He who overcomes, he's also going to clothe you in white garments. So we're going to take a look at some of the words. This is where there's, some people get confused going through the book of Revelation of um, putting the church in places that the church doesn't fit. And God, I, I found this discovery, and, I, and it was super awesome. Um, God is very specific, and he has an order, and his words actually mean something. How many, how many would go with that? That, that he put a distinction, and we're going to look at this, of the saints that are of the church age, which are his brides. And a distinction of the saints that are going to be going through tribulation. He did that in a few different ways, but one in particular is their clothing. Now, it's going to seem very minute unless you, unless you look at the Greek and you read what I'm about to show you. So, but before we get that, it says, he says, you have a few even in Sardis. have not stained their garments this is sad to me the church had coasted so far for so long we talked about that coasting that they allowed the stain of sin to soil most of everyone who was attending that's sad that's sad when jesus comes to the church and he says there's a few that's not a good day so we're we want to make sure that we're taking care of those things right what's the stain from it's the stain of sin you say well brother i thought we were washed in the blood you are, you're washed, you're cleansed, but just like that bride who puts on that white dress, who adorns herself, she walks a little differently, she cares for herself a little differently when she's been purified and washed and went through, and there was a purification ritual that would happen in those days, it wasn't some little thing like, oh, just take a shower, blow dry your hair, we're good, no, I know with my wife, it was like an ordeal, like that day, and oh man, she was like gleaming, I was like, whoa, it was amazing, and, and there was, like, someone holding her train. There was someone, like, holding her hair. Like, there was someone, like, she had this little entourage. It was like, wow. She wasn't just, like, skipping through the mud and, like, let the dog jump up on her lap and, you know. No, it was like, get out the way. There's a, there's a responsibility we have when we've been washed. The blood of Jesus is so precious. Now, we also have a responsibility, I'm so, we're just wrong with it. Um, we have a responsibility also, when we do it, to wash ourselves. Jesus uses an analogy um, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe verse 26, about the, the husband. And he's speaking of himself, and he's speaking to husbands, how they treat their wives, how they love on them. He says, but they washed by the water of the word. Now, there's, there's a responsibility that comes that, that as we're growing and as we're walking with the Lord, we can be washing ourselves by the water of the word. We had someone in our home group last night that was saying, man, Pastor, the Lord has really been speaking to me the last few weeks, and, and he told me that I need to do this or stop doing this something. It wasn't like a huge thing, but it was because it was in a spot that it didn't need to be in her life. She goes, and, and, and since I've done that, like my hunger and desire for the word has been like never before. And I just started laughing. I'm like, it's the washing of the water by the word. Like, it, that's what's happening. So we will do that. We will cleanse ourselves. And what do we do when we get in the word like that? Like, the word it starts exposing things in our lives because it's the truth. And it's that mirror that James says that it is. We look in it and we go, oh, I need to clean that up. Amen? So that's not a foreign concept. It shouldn't be as a church. This tells me and this is telling us that this church wasn't doing that. Because Jesus comes and he says, "Well, there's a couple who haven't soiled their garments." James chapter one verse twenty six through twenty seven says, "If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God." Of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Is that following? We have a responsibility to keep ourselves unstained from the world. Jesus says that these that have kept themselves will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There's going to be some in the church, and we see this in every single letter. This is where there can be some challenges of people going, well, I said the prayer, and I'm good from this point forward. That's just not what every single letter to the church is a saying. There's some in the church that are worthy. There's some that overcome, and there's some that don't. That's not talking to the whole world. He's talking to the church. My fifth point is he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. Let's look at these garments. In the Old Testament... There was priests, and they were clothed in white garments. Now, there's a difference. They didn't just put a robe on. That's one piece. There was multiple pieces. There was like the trousers. There was an overpart. There was parts that they would tie around their waist. There was a part that would tunic that would go over their head. There was multiple pieces. This is the same type of garment that when in Revelation 1 that that Jesus says, you're a, a kingdom of priests. You're a royal priesthood. That's what he's saying. That's that's the picture that John sees Jesus in. How we know that Jesus is our priest? He's also a king, Amen. That's what Hebrews tells us. So, so this um, word is is this Old Testament clothing garments. There are three types of garments identified in Revelation. Originally, I only saw two. There's three different types. Um, I had I don't know, I was digging in ground I'd never been in. I had, there was no. Um, commentaries to kind of help me in any of this. So I was having a great old time. I'll just tell you, I was loving it. Um, And I think you guys, if if I can get this across right, you'll understand it too. I'm praying. (laughs) There are three types of garments identified in Revelation. White robes, which is, and we're going to look at all of them. Um, Revelation chapter 6, 7, 9, and 14. So the first one I told you is raiment. Those are garments. The Greek word is hymation. This one we're going to look at right now is white robes. And that word in the Greek is Stole. It's different than Hymation. It's Stole. So let's turn to Revelation chapter six, verse 11. Actually... yeah, we can do that. We we'll might as well start in verse nine, right? <laughs> this is the seals. The, Jesus, after, after um, John's gets the vision he's in heaven, he starts seeing the seals are being broken. So at the fifth seal in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, it says, And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So these are the martyrs. He says, verse 11, And there was given to each of them a white robe, a white stole. That's not um, the same word of hymation in the Greek, stole. That's a robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. Now, how many know that if you go into the Revelation period, you're not coming out, if you're a Christian, a believer, unless you're martyred. Except for the 12,000 Jews from each tribe, the 144,000. That's why you're not going to want to be there. You, these people are going to be clothed. They're going to receive a white robe, a white stole. It is the clothing of the tribulation saints. Now, turn with me. One more page. We're on my Bible. One more page. This explains who they are. So you're not taking my word for it. Because my word can be fallible, but God's word isn't, amen? So chapter 7, go to verse 14. This is John speaking to these people, or to the, to the angel. He says, and I said to him, my Lord, you know, because he asked, let's go to verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, these who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? And from where have they come? And I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Very obviously speaking of tribulation saints. Here's something to look at that I, in this study I found very interesting. And you're going to see those who re- they receive garments. These guys wash their robes. They're having, they're having to wash their robes. You see, I want you to see something that, how, why is that happening? Like, what is the big deal with that? The fact that they washed their robes may indicate that since they didn't keep their garments clean, which is a whole different word, they washed their robes by martyrdom. You follow me? There's something that they're having to do because they did not, which we're seeing in Sardis, you did not keep your garments clean. They're not going, he says, and he goes on to say later, like, do I have to erase your name from the book? So these folks who were provided for, just like we are, we've been provided hymation, garments. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you some more places of that in the Bible. These folks are tribulation saints that are having to wash their robes through their work. And that's a work that they're having to do. They're going to have to work through tribulation. Because they didn't keep their clothes clean. So they're going to be placed a white robe over them. Does that make sense? Now, you're going to see some more here in a second. Um, let's look at the Hymation. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to go backwards again. That word is the same word that we were just talking about. Into the church of Sardis. Also, um, Revelation 3.5 and then 3.18, which is the church of Laodicea. This isn't the robe, this is the hymation, the, the clothes, the, the garments. He says to the Laodicea church, "I advise you to buy for me gold refined by fire, that you may become rich and white garments that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and eyes have to anoint your eyes that you may see." Once again, same word. To who? A church of Laodicea. Not robes, Hymation. Now, let's keep going. Let's turn to chapter 4. You're going to see at chapter 4, you're going to see after these things. In the Greek word, that's meditata. You're going to see this a handful of times. This is meditata. After what? After the church age. After the church age, meditata. He says, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Meditata. He goes on and says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven. Now, I think it's super cool that you see even John, who was on Patmos, the isle, at Meditata, after these things, he's transported off into the heavens. So from this point forward, he's not, even see, he's not on the earth as all this stuff is being revealed to him. Just a little interesting sign, I think. So he goes in the spirit. Behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne there were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in what? White garments, same Greek word, hymation, not stole. So what's going on? Where's the church right now? Well, according to the clothing, meditata, after the church age, you see when John's receiving this revelation, these folks in the same clothing garments that Jesus is speaking to, to the churches are wearing those things. You see a few chapters later, he's speaking to some different folks that are wearing white robes, and John says, well, who are they? Those in the white robes, the stole, white stole, are tribulation saints. See that? White garments, hymation, same clothing that the church wears. It's the same clothing that the high priest would wear. Jesus calls the church kingdom of priests. Amen? Are you following me? Like, we need to understand, like, there's, there's a church age. And when we get to Metatata, the church age is over. Church age is over. Chapter four, church age over. From this point forward, it's like it was. It's the Daniel's 70th week that still hasn't been fulfilled, which is a seven-year period. starts there. To who? Who's the main emphasis there? The Jews, Not the church. Because he has two Jewish figures come back to be the witnesses during that time. Amen? Two Jewish witnesses. We know that. Whose job is it to witness to the world in the church age? If you don't know this, we're all in trouble. I've been teaching, like, the church. It is our responsibility. It's our job during the church age. After the church age, we're not here. The garments that I have on... Are Hymation and they are seated around the throne room of God. Someone needs to get excited about that. Now, I started wrestling around a little bit of like, because I think weird. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. Like, so we're going to have like different clothing in heaven? Like, some are going to have a robe on, and like, I'm going to have white priestly. Now, they're all white. So I started kind of thinking about this and going, well, that's, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool, but hmm. Well, if we keep reading through Revelation, the next time we talk, we see garments. Now, should we look at some more? You guys want to look at some more? Why not? <laughs> Kingdom of priests wearing the same hymation. Um, the last type of garment found in Revelation, which when I did these notes, I, there's actually a whole other one. And I got super, I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. But this one, turn with me into your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. Now, you can, might be going like, what are we doing right now? This, this, you're talking a lot about clothes. Well, because we've seen a lot of scripture. I've been poured out a lot of scripture that to show you that we are not scheduled for wrath as the bride. And he shows us in so many different ways to confirm that, that this isn't like my idea. And I've had some people go, well, pastor Steve, you know, I think you're just doing something that like, that's been taught for years ago and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, you don't know. This is revelation. The book's called Revelation, which is called The Unveiling. The Lord is unveiling over and over and over that we are His bride and He loves us and we are not destined for wrath. He even shows us in clothing. Like, look, I got clothes for you, I got clothes for you. Like, I want you to understand that I'm not, like, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to hope. Here's the deal you can cash that check. How many know you have a confidence when you understand that? Like, I'm confident. Can you tell? I'm confident. I'm not confident because like, I've got it all figured out. I'm confident because my God has it all figured out. I'm confident because I've been studying his word and I've been diving into Revelation, which is an amazing blessing. Isn't it funny that Jesus Himself says, Blessed is everyone who reads this book? And yet the church don't want to read it. And, and ever since I've been doing it, I'm being more and more excited and more and more confident. And, and yay, yeah, he's coming. And I'm not worried, but I'm going to keep my clothes clean. I will to tell you that much. I'm not going to be called like you're dead. I'm not going to be on cruise control with a lot of the early church, like in the Jesus movement, kind of did. Revelation got taught a lot in the rapture, and then people just kind of put their feet up. Well, we're just going to wait for Jesus to come. How many know that's the truth, what I'm telling you? Well, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. I used to hear people testify that. Well, I'm just waiting. Get, get me out of here, Lord. Go ahead and come. Come, Lord Jesus. And yet, all of, there's millions of people going to hell. Your heart ain't right when that's your attitude. Just get me up out of here. Forget everyone else. Your heart ain't right. But we should have a confidence and know, like, thank you, Jesus. I'm coming with you when you come, and I'm excited about that. But I'm going to occupy till you do. I'm going to be about your business. So when you do come like a thief, we're good. I don't have to like, I ain't got to do nothing. Just be about his business, amen? I ain't got to go like go to the laundry and get my clothes washed real quick because I've kept them clean. Amen? So revelation, what I tell you? I'm, I'm, I'm like in the index. I'm, I'm like, where am I at? I better get where I told you, huh? You're not, yeah, there's going to be no wait for me. Wait for me, Jesus, I got to go to the laundry. No. Revelation chapter 19. Let's, uh, well, it's better if we read it in context, don't you think? All right, let's start verse 11. Well, hold on. Beginning of chapter 19, you see these words again. After these things, that's meditata. After what things? Tribulation. It's the next after these things. Okay, praise the Lord. Go all the way down to verse 11 of 19. John says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, that's crowns. And he has a name written upon him, which no one knows except him. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which are where? Where? The armies which are in heaven, clothed in what? Fine linen. linen. Oh, that's a different word. Different word there. That word's called busanon. Busanon. You're like, big deal. Well, God is so awesome because I had this question. I'm like, well, we're going to be wearing something different. Nope. And I started thinking, well, I thought we were going to be like an address. Hey, guess what? The fine raiment that the the church that didn't go through the the tribulation and the tribulation saints who had white robes on, it sure looks to me like like the story that Jesus tells about um, the parable of he's holding a banquet and he's inviting the guests and the people come. And someone happens to slip in there and he goes through and goes, hey, why don't you have the wedding clothes on? Remember? Where's your wedding clothes? And he throws them out. Here's what the picture. Now, this is thus saith Steve, but it looks like it's thus saith the Lord to me, because it's it actually is the clothing, words, I'm not making these up. Fine linen. At that marriage supper, when the tribulation saints are coming out of there, the church is there, right before he comes back, there's a period of a marriage supper. Remember the the proposal, the um We went on uh, Jesus' betrothal period. There you go. The Jewish betrothal period. The church starts that. It's seven days normally. Then after the, the, the husband and the bride-to-be are away, they're doing their thing. Then after that, there's, there's feasts going on. People are drinking. They're having their, their suppers. Then they come out, and everyone eats together. That's this. The, those clothes now, you're not, you don't have people that are in the white raiment, the priestly clothes. You don't have the robes. They are what? And where are they? Where are all these people at? In heaven. And the armies which are in heaven. So he's not coming down to like this is late tribulation stuff or into like he's coming down then. No. Where are, where are they? They're already there. So they can't come down like did they, they go up and down or were they already there? They were there. So, and we see that the tribulation saints they're crying out from like from the throne of God underneath and he's having to tell them like, "Wait. Wait. I'm going to justify. I'm going to take care of it because they're like, "How long, Lord? We got to wait." They're waiting to get those robes. They're waiting to be united with us. And he's like, "I got to take care of some business. Don't worry. I'm going to pour my wrath out on them." Those tribulation martyrs are crying out to God saying, "How long is this going to be?" And he says, "Just hold on. I'm going to put a robe on you." But then we're all, because this was messing with my head, like, I know how we are. We would be like, well, I've got white raiment. And then those guys would be like, well, i got white robes. And Jesus is going to be like, guess what? You got what I gave you, fine linen. You're, you're adorned as my bride, all of you. Amen? Look at what it says. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads on the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You look at um, verse 7 of chapter 19. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory of him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready and it was given to her clothe herself it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen busanon bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of who? the saints isn't that something? Two different groups of people, two different specific Greek words for their clothing, and then he tells them, for what the marriage supper. I've made and and who gives the clothes like are th- those tribulation saints aren't having to wash themselves and, and what, giving it to you. Here you go. Place it on you. Isn't that awesome? We're being. He's giving it to us. He's placing it on us. That's and you know what those are. It's the same thing that um, John chapter fourteen tells us that. That he, the father, in that in that courting period, during that time, the father of the um, of the, not the bride, the father of the groom, would come and give the garments to the to the one that was um, betrothed. And the Bible tells us that those clothing those were the works, those good deeds, those works. So the Lord is going to bring all those works of the church, all those good things that the church had done, and adorn her with it. That's beautiful white and pure and clean so those things that's why you're not going to have to do it yourself or where you've it's already been done and those are going to be and and all that's going to just be glorified and and heaven and the angels are going to because you know like in my mind i got a weird mind but in my mind i think half the time the angels are like what are you doing why did you do all this for these knuckleheads like they're all jacked up you know i mean they could be like we don't get away with anything I don't, know, I don't know if they're doing that or not, but you've got to see if you're an angel, like, especially the angels that were following me around for a long time, having to keep me busy and protected. And, like, oh, my Lord, what do you see in this guy? What are you doing? But he's going to show everyone. Everyone's going to see. There's my bride. Look at all those deeds. Look at all those works. Look at all those things. They're going to be just shining the glory of God. Isn't that awesome, Then A great picture. So the. One of the last types of garment found in Revelation is the busanon, which is the fine wedding garment given to her to clothe herself. Here you go. Isn't that beautiful? So I wanted you to see just a a whole other area of clothing that it does fit. And we're not trying to, like, take a square peg and shove it in a round hole. It all fits beautifully. We can have a comfort and a peace. And that's what he's telling, exactly what he's telling the church of Sardis when it says... You have not kept your clothes clean. Does that does that make a little more understanding of what he's talking about? It did for me. And I'm, I'm praying that it gives us also an, an encouragement and, a, and a, a way to say, hey, I need to make sure I'm walking clean. I need to make sure I'm not just like trampling through the mud. I need to make sure I'm walking close to Jesus. Amen? So we're going to wrap up. Oh, yeah, we better do that quick. I got excited about the clothes. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, hymation, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He overcomes, what do you have to do to wear the white? Now, that doesn't mean you have to overcome tribulation. A lot of people say, well, see, you got to go through tribulation. What did Jesus say he overcame? I have overcome the world. So my peace, I leave with you. What are we supposed to overcome? The world. Amen. So he who overcomes will be dressed in that white. And he goes on to say, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. That should get your attention. I know a lot of folks think that when Jesus writes your name in the book of life, that's done. It sure doesn't sound like he's talking to this church that way, does it? He's saying, you need to keep your, your clothes clean. He says, those who've kept their clothes clean, I'll give you white raiment and you'll walk with me and I won't erase your name from the book of life. Now, I don't think I'm really going too far on this to say these folks that he's trying to get their attention to say, wake up, you're, you're dying. You don't overcome. Are you following me? Are you reading what I'm reading? Am I like adding things into this? Are we not to take scripture and read it? Who's the letter to? The church. Plural, church is. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Are you a part of that? So I know some of you say, Well, Pastor Steve, what are you saying? My name can be erased? It's not what I'm saying. It's what his word is saying. That should get your attention. And I'm not doing my job as a pastor if I want to hold on to something that I've heard said or someone else says when his word says something different. And how many of you have seen over and over and over to these letters to the churches, he says, to you who've overcome and to you who haven't. To some, to those who haven't, you're going to go in tribulation. Is this some, like, (laughs) I know some folks are going to have a hard problem with this. I'm sorry. It's it's my problem, too. I have an obligation to walk holy with my God. I have an obligation to walk and be separate and be different than the rest of the world. Because i got a dress on. Now, don't take that weird. I've got some fine clothes that the Lord has for me. And I have a responsibility to keep them white, to keep them pure. And, and if I get them soiled, I need to go and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you know what he'll say? Though your sins were as scarlet, I will make you white as snow. Amen? But you can't just go, well, you made me white, and now I can go run amok and ride my dirt bike and go ride my motorcycle and get in fights and just... And show up and be like... I'm here, ready to sit down at the table. No. Amen? This is such a... I'm like, how have I not saw that before? I will not erase his name. That means he's going to erase some names. He says, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels those who've overcome thank you your name's going to be confessed this is my son in whom i'm well pleased this is my daughter in whom i'm well pleased i'd like to introduce you he's seen every single thing we've done he's seen every single hurt he's collected and bottled every tear we've ever shed he's written it in his book so this is my son this is my daughter amen you serve a good god let him, you guys hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches? I'm going to close on this point. You know there's lots of voices in this day and age. <laughs> there's lots of voices. There's lots of people saying lots of things. What's the Spirit saying? You see, last time I checked, the Holy Spirit is called the Paraclete, and he is given to walk alongside of us. Jesus was so excited, He said, "I must go. Like, I must go." So the spirit, the comfort of the paraclete can come. And he's not just like this mystical force, like in Star Wars. May the force be with you. He's the person of the Holy Spirit. And he walks alongside of us to encourage us, to teach us, to convict us. To say, hey Steve, your attitude was a little sour there. You need to go ask for forgiveness. He's helping me keep my clothes clean. Amen? Amen? Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's lots of voices. What is the Spirit saying to you? I told someone last night, you know what, if we, I think I was blessed in a lot of ways of not being traditionally taught, not being traditionally uh, Bible schooled, not being traditionally, I had to rely on the voice of the Holy Spirit a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, I'd hear the Holy Spirit tell me something like, All right, we should probably do that. And then I would do that. And then I would see like really awesome stuff happen. I would go like, I don't even know how to do that. That was so amazing. God, how do you do like over and over and over? Like he'd open up doors and I'm like, well, I guess that's probably the direction we should go. You said you'd go with me everywhere we go. So let's do that. And then he'd do his stuff. I call it the God stuff. I I don't even know what to really call it. It's God stuff. He does his stuff and I'm like, that's amazing. But then I get around a bunch of church people and a bunch of really trained people. And it's weird. They're like, I'm like, well, we better like do all this other stuff. And why don't we do what God said to do? Like, why don't we just do that? It usually works out pretty good. Well, I don't know what, there might be a mess or this might happen. It's like, I don't know about this, that, and the other. I don't have all that figured out. Yeah, me neither. But it usually works out really awesome. So why don't we just do that? Church, there's lots of voices, there's lots of people's opinions on what the church should be doing now. The the church has listened to a lot of them, and I even listened to some voices of people in authority that were telling me what we're supposed to do with this church. And then I heard the voice of the Lord, and I had to go back to what I've always known why don't we do what the Holy Spirit's telling us to do? That usually works out pretty good. Amen? So, church, whose voice are you listening to? And let me tell you, if if you're listening to my voice and it says something different than this word, quit listening. If Pastor Steve says, I need you guys to be here at such and such a time because this is what we're going to do. But on the way, the Holy Spirit says, go stop, pick that guy up. And take him and get him something to eat. You know what you better be doing? You better be stopping, picking that guy up and getting him something to eat. And I might be like, what the heck? Like, I thought we were doing that. You go, Pastor Steve, I'm really sorry, but the Holy Spirit said pick that guy up and take him, get him something to eat, and then he got saved. I'm going to be like, yay! Or, no, he didn't get saved. He cussed me out and it didn't go well. Yay! You took a chance to listen to the Holy Spirit. Right? It doesn't always turn out exactly awesome either, by the way. But here's what I know. When my daddy asked me to do something, and he comes home, and it ain't done, he is never happy. But if I think my dad said, hey, I want you to mow the lawn, he might have said like next week, but I think he means like now. And he comes home, and he's like, dude, the lawn's mowed. Yeah, I, like, I didn't tell you to mow the lawn. Is he mad? You smelling what I'm stepping in? Your dad would be a lot happier with you taking a risk, stepping out into something that you think, I think this is what the Lord wants me to do, and stepping out in that and finding out, well, that wasn't exactly what I wanted you to do or when I wanted you to do it. Then I want you to do this, and you go, well, I don't know if that's you or not. I want you to do this. Well, I had other things to do. How does that work on the earth? How does that work with an earthly father? I can tell you my rear end was tanned. He says, hey, you might want to keep your clothes clean. We need to learn how to trust him. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen? Because I, I got a funny feeling. He's going to be talking a lot here real soon. He's already doing it he's going to start telling you i want you to do this i want you to do that and you need to go okay dad and if you miss it a little bit i could promise you he's not going to whoop you unless you go do something real stupid and you hurt one of his people you go start like prophesying and blabbing about stuff that is not him he will spank you he knows how to discipline his children lovingly and if you do it to one of mine i'll probably spank you too Don't be running around doing things that God, you know, like, well, pastor said, if I think, no, listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you need the help with that, you can come talk to me and say, hey, pastor, I feel the Lord's want me to do something. All right. Now, I can promise you, he's not ever going to tell you to do something that violates his word. Ever, ever, ever. If you say that, I'm like, you bumped your head. We need to get saved again. <laughs> you hearing me? You don't need to ask pastor, like, I feel like the Lord wanted me to give 20 bucks to this guy. Give it to him. I feel like the Lord wanted me to pick someone up. Great, do it. You watch what happens. The joy of the Lord comes on you when you're obedient. Blessings are poured out in your life when you're obedient. If there's not blessing and there's not that joy of the Lord in your life, you might want to go back and go, what's the last thing he told me? Did I do it? Amen. You guys got all that for free, so praise God. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are like, dude, you are so amazing. All these different parts, that pieces that all come together to show how you love us and how you care for us and that you've got a plan and it's awesome and we are living in the midst of it. It is being fulfilled right now in our time. For such a time as this, we're in the kingdom. Lord, we are not, no complaining going on here about the days we're in. We're excited, Lord. We are excited to see what you're going to do in us and through us. Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice, if, if they don't know you, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, bring that conviction. You said that you come and you stand at the door and knock. That if anyone would come and open that door, that you would come and dine with them. So, Lord, I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room right now, they don't know you. They would open the door and say, Holy Spirit, say, Jesus, I want you come in. Come in. And let me tell you if, you, if you do that, you are literally saying, I want to make a covenant with you. And it's not a, it's not a cheap little thing. It's, it's, God, I give you everything. I give you all my life, all my hopes, my dreams, my plans, my future, my desires, they're yours. And he in turn says, son or daughter, I give you everything too. <laughs> all of my kingdom." Everything I have is yours. And let me tell you, he's got a lot. He's got big arms. He will walk with you. He will protect you. He will blow your mind for the plans and the dreams that he has for you. Is there anyone here today that you say, yep, that's me? I need him. He's knocking on the door of my heart. All right. I'm not going to linger there long. I'm going to let you go because we got another service coming in. But listen to me on this. Any day and time that you you call out to him, you'll be saved. You don't have to be here. where word says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus came and died for your